Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Everybody that lives in America can pray that. God, just, I might not be, I don't know what part I'm playing, but I know our nation is jacked up. And the things that they're doing do not please you and do not glorify you. I'm asking for forgiveness for everybody that's, for everything. Just, just asking for forgiveness. I've seen, I saw that with Daniel. Um, you've seen that with other spiritual leaders where they just they just prayed, they repented for sins that they didn't necessarily even have a hand in, but they just knew the nation was moving in a direction opposite of God. And they, they just needed to be dealt with. God, I'm bringing it before you. Voting, even participating in peaceful rallies for specific causes and other forms of civil engagement can be good things. They can be part of your responsibility as a citizen. But there's a danger that you malign people and point the finger of blame at a specific group when all of us are responsible for our sin as a nation. We also risk creating division that works against our most important mission in this life, which is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, as Pastor Bill will remind us in today's message. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 4 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. I'm going to be presented faultless, and I know I got faults, but I'm going to get to be before God one day faultless because of Jesus. Now unto him who was able to present you faultless. And so I hope that we can just be thankful for that. You remove Jesus, you remove his work, and you leave me and you in our normal condition. We're sinners. And in that condition, there are some hindrances. I'm going to read you Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2. It says this, Behold, The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But then he says this, but your iniquities or sins have separated between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And so in Isaiah 59, God says, look, you guys realize God's not deaf and he's not without ability, but it's your sin that have brought the separation. God says, let's deal with that. Let's get our sins dealt with. And so Even though we know what Christ has already done for us, I think that sometimes believers can kind of take this lane that says, you know what, God just forgive me of all my sins anyway. So I'm good. God's taking care of all my sins. And just for your benefit, just so you know that that's not cool, in the Old Testament, it was called a sin of presumption. Anybody ever sinned and you said in your heart, I know I shouldn't do this, but I know God's going to forgive me, so I'm going to do it anyway. Don't raise your hand. That's, that's called sin of presumption. It's presuming. God, I know you're going to forgive me anyway, so I'm going to do this. I'm, a, I'm setting my mind to sin on purpose because I just trust that you'll forgive me. And in Numbers chapter 15, verse 30, I just want to read you a verse here. But the person who does anything presumptuously, rather he is native born or a stranger, that one brings reproach on the Lord. He shall be cut off from among his people. Because he has despised the word of the Lord and broken his commandment, that person shall be completely cut off. His guilt shall be upon him. And so, guys, if you're going to do that on purpose, get out. You're going to be cut off from Israel. It costs Jesus a lot to deal with our sin issue. And we should at least, there should still be a reverence and a thankfulness for what he's done for us. And so moving on. So in that case, the high priest sin to be dealt with. The next group in verse 13 that we deal with their sins is from the congregation, from the people. It says, now if the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly and they have done something against 
any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which should not be done and are guilty. And I just got to point this out. They had so many laws and rules and regulations that they were under. It would be easy to accidentally do something. There were so many laws that I, I mean, as I look through them, I could understand them losing sight of a law. So it says here for the congregation, let's say as a group, they're messing up. They, they, there's some sin. There's something that they've, they've, they've broken one of the commandments and they're guilty. Uh, that sin's got to be dealt with when it's brought to their attention, when they're made aware of it, it's got to be dealt with. And I just want to point out that their ignorance of the sin, they're, they're not knowing it was wrong before they did it doesn't excuse them, but they're not excused. God doesn't say, hey, you didn't know. You didn't know what you were doing. It's all good. You know, no, that sin had to be atoned for. It had to be dealt with. Verse 14, it says, when the sin which they have committed becomes known, then the assembly shall offer a young bull for the sin and bring it before the tabernacle of meeting. And the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord. And so this one is a little different. Um, they offer the same offering for the congregation. It's a bull. Now, instead of the priest, it's the, it would be the, um, the elders of the congregation, their leadership. They're going to lay their hands on it um, because they're leaders and they, they bear the guilt of the people and they lay their hands on the animal. And everything else from that point is exactly the same. They offer this offering up to the Lord that things can be right with the Lord once again. And so there can be times where we need to repent as an individual and deal with our individual sins. There are also things that you look in scripture and I see many times where they repented as a nation. Where they said, God, we know our nation is wrong. Everybody who lives in America can pray that. God, just, I might not be, I don't know what part I'm playing, but I know our nation is jacked up. And the things that they're doing do not please you and do not glorify you. I'm asking for forgiveness for everybody that's, for everything, just just asking for forgiveness. I've seen, I saw that with Daniel. Um, you've seen that with other spiritual leaders, where they just they just prayed, they repented for sin that they didn't necessarily even have a hand in, but they just knew the nation was moving in a direction opposite of God, and they, they just needed to be dealt with. God, I'm bringing it before you. I'm asking for your for your intervention and and um and just confessing it and dealing with it. So, for here would be the whole congregation. They would be dealing with their sins. Look at verse 22. It's uh, the next group is a ruler. It says, when a, a ruler has sinned and done something unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord as God, any, and anything which should not be done and is guilty, or if his sin which he has committed comes to, the, to his knowledge, he shall bring as an offering a kid of the goats, a male without blemish. And so now for one of the, the rulers, and a, what a ruler would have represented was Israel was broken up into clans. And if you were over a clan, you had a clan that was under, under your charge, you were a leader of that group. If you sin, you had to bring forth an offering. And I just think it's important to point out that you got the priests, if they mess up, it's a big deal. The congregation, if they mess up, they got to deal with it as a group. This individual guy that's a ruler and he's over other people, if he messes up, he's got to deal with it. Um, and he's got to atone for it. This is not a private thing. He doesn't get to bring this sacrifice in secret so people don't know what he did. He's got to bring it and everybody's going to know like, oh, what you did? You messed up. Oh, I saw you doing that offering. I mean, it's, it's, it's a public thing. It's something that's brought forth. It's not going to get to be a secret. doesn't get to be left behind closed doors. If you're publicly acknowledging that you have sinned and you're dealing with it publicly and renouncing it publicly and you're offering this animal up publicly before the Lord. And so I just point that out because sometimes 
I think one of the things that keeps people in sins a lot longer than they have to is the desire to conceal it so that they don't, they're not made to look bad in front of people. Um, there are people that they could have been free a long time ago, but just whatever sin they've got, it's, it's like, I don't, want, I don't want anybody to know. God knows. I don't want anybody else to know. So, so you, just, you just keep it in the dark. Well, guess who rules the dark? The devil. He's the prince and power of darkness. When we bring those things out of the darkness into the light, that's where God can begin to deal with them. That's how come it says in James 5, 16, that we confess our trespasses. Trespass is a willful stepping over the line. We confess our trespasses to one another. That means that sin that you're messing up and you're doing and you know you shouldn't be doing it and you just stumbled or you're in bondage and you're messing up. God says, tell somebody. I'll let them pray for you. Confess your trespass to one another and pray for one another. And it says, and you will be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. That, that verse always intrigues me because God says you're going to be healed. Well, there's no one in that verse saying that they're sick. What God is saying is that, that, that in the same way that if someone's sick, if someone comes and says, Pastor, I have cancer, well, I can't heal them, but I ask God, God, would you heal them? Lord, would you touch them? Lord, would you do for them what, what, what we can't do? Would you miraculously intervene? Someone in bondage to sin needs God to touch them too. So God says, you come tell you tell on yourself. You put yourself on blast. You bring that dark thing to the light. Let them pray for you. Let them tell me on your behalf. And I'll, I'll answer. I'll heal you. That's God's method. And so if you're here tonight and you say, you know what? I got this thing and I, I keep falling back and I keep falling back. I'd encourage you to bring it out of the dark and throw it into the light. See what God does with that light. That light is powerful. Powerful. Powerful what that will do to bring victory and to bring it out of even just to ruin the, the, the course that you've been on, especially with something that you keep falling back into, you'd be amazed how bringing something into the light brings it into God's domain where he begins to work and deliver and set free. And so again, the ruler, he would have to deal with his sin publicly. His offering was a lot less of a, far as in cost, it was a smaller offering, um, but it, it wouldn't have been smaller as far as what it cost them. That was still a big deal. Um, but if the ruler had done this, he would be able to bring um, an offering of the, a kid of the goats it had to be a male without blemish and he would lay his hand on the goat and kill it in its place and kill the and it, they would kill the burnt offering for the Lord as a sin offering and all the rest of how they would deal with it sprinkling the blood and making atonement and the fat and all that stuff was exactly the same they would offer up this this kid goat um, for the, the ruler the last one in verse 27 is the common people in verse 27 it says if a any one of the common people sins unintentionally by doing something against the commandment of the Lord and anything which ought not to be done and is guilty, or if his sin which he has committed comes to his knowledge, then he shall bring as an offering a kid of the goats. And this one can be a female without blemish for his sin which he has committed. So now any of the common people, and I want to point this out as well, that God met each person with what he knew they could do. The priests have access to whatever they need. They can offer an ox. The whole congregation, they can, they can come up with an ox, with a good sacrifice. A ruler, you can get a kid of the goat. And to these people here, any of the common people, you guys can get an animal and it can be a female. In that culture, the male animal would have been worth more. But you go get you a, you can get a female one. It just, I just want to point out that God made it accessible to everybody. Everybody could make atonement. Everybody could bring the sin offering. Everybody could have their sin dealt with. Now, for you and I, God has done the same thing, right? It doesn't matter if you're male, woman, slave, free, whatever we are, right? God's made a provision for you and for me 
that our sins can be dealt with. Everybody. There's no distinction. There's no special classes in the kingdom of God. There's no people that have an easier reach than other people. God doesn't have any favorites down here. Every sinner can receive his mercy and his forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Every sinner that wants it can have it. Romans 10, 13 says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God's not turning down anybody that's saying, Lord, I want to be forgiven. God, I'm sorry for what I've done. God will take anyone that wants him and deal with their sins. He's died for all of us. So as the common people would do this, it was, again, it was made available to them. There was a provision made for them. It'd be a female without blemish. Verse 29, he'll lay his hands on the head of the sin offering and kill the sin offering in the place of the burnt offering. And the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar and offer it and pour out the remaining blood at the base of the altar. And he's going to remove the fat and offer that up to the Lord as a sweet aroma. And it's going to make atonement for him and it shall be his sin shall be forgiven him. If he brings in verse 32, a lamb as his sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish. Then he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill the sin offering. So he could also bring a lamb and it could could be a female as well. And he would offer that up and kill the burnt offering. Verse 34, the priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and, and put it on the horns of the altar and offer the burnt offering and pour all the remaining blood on the base of the altar. He shall remove all its fat. The fat of the lamb is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering. Then the priest shall burn it on the altar according to the offering made by fire to the Lord. So the priest shall make atonement for the sin that he has committed and it shall be forgiven him. And so here we have that word. He's going to make atonement for their sins. Um, Atonement is kind of broken down three words at one minute. God's making there's atonement has been made. There's been a a sever in a relationship with the Lord. And through this sacrifice, there can be at one minute atonement. You can be put back in a right standing in a right place with the Lord. It's, it means to bring back together what has been separated by sin, atonement. And so atonement can be made through these, these offerings or these, these sacrifices that are being put forth. And then God says he's going to offer forgiveness. Um, and that's critical. Forgiveness is a big deal. And um, I want to first talk about God's forgiveness to us and how it works and what it looks like. Um, And then I want to challenge us concerning our forgiveness to other people. When God forgives you, does he remember what you did? Does he does it does it ever get brought up again? Is it ever something that God say, you know what? I forgave you for that six months ago. And here we are again, man. God didn't do that to you. Y'all can all be glad. Right. God says when he washed our sins away there, they're as far as the east is from the west. What's that mean? It it never comes back up again. They're gone. You'll remember it. You'll keep, you beat yourself up over it. But God says, no, it's over. It's like it never happened. I've washed it away. I forgave you. I've cut you free. I've let you go. I have let the, I have let you go of that debt. I've released you of your debt completely. That's what forgiveness does. God says, I completely release you of the debt for what you did. And we got lots of parables that illustrate this beautifully. And you got the one where the guy had old and insurmountable debt and he couldn't pay it. And the master forgave him his debt. And then he had a friend owed him what would amount to like 50 bucks. And he grabbed him by the neck and sent him to the jailers. And when the master heard, he was angry. He said, man, I forgave you all that debt. And you wouldn't let this guy go from that little $50? And he said, I'm going to send you to the torturers until you pay off. And the idea is this. We owe an insurmountable debt, right? 
Next time you mad at somebody about their sin against you, just take the day to meditate on your sin against God. No one can ever sin against you as bad as you have sinned against God. You have gone. It's so far gone. No one, no one to catch up. No one to catch up to you. No one can sin against you as bad as you have sinned against God. You've been sinning against God since before you had a memory. Since you were little kids. Mine, mine, sinner. You've been sinning as long as long as you've been moving and going and thinking and doing. We've been sinning. And so my, my debt, if, if it were to be added up, if I were to have to see it on paper or give an account for it, insurmountable debt. And God's just wiped out. So next time somebody offends you, does something you don't like, I can't believe they said that about me behind my back <clears throat> or whatever. God's man, let that go. Release them. Release them of the debt. And it's important, too, for the believer. When we get to the New Testament and the believers are being taught how to pray, the disciples, they're taught in their regular prayer to pray to the Father to forgive them. For daily, they're to be asking for forgiveness because God knows they're going to mess up on a regular basis. But then he says, forgive me as I forgive my debtors, right? I'm asking you to forgive me as I forgive them. I'm, it's the expectation that I would forgive other people. And then God says, but if you don't forgive them, neither will your father in heaven forgive you. That should scare you from being unforgiven. I can't afford for God to not forgive me. I got too much debt. And so God said, look, if you don't forgive other people, I won't forgive you. You're going to be dealing with stuff. And you may have heard this before. I, I like it. I, I've heard it many times. But it's been said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping that the other person dies. Because unforgiveness hurts you. Some people that ain't forgiven, they they on about their business. And you sitting there all sour and bitter and, 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 and bit lip, lemon lip, and they're on about whatever. It's killing you. Unforgiveness. It'll kill you. And so I, I just, I love that. It's like drinking poison, hoping that the other person dies. Um, and I thought about that. There have been a few times in my life where someone came up to me to let me know that, you know, they were wanting to forgive me. And I never even knew that there was a, a, a thing. And I'm like, well, how long have you been holding this? How long has this been there? And, you know, I, I mean, I've literally seen things where I was just floored, like, Man, that's I wish you had a came a year ago. Like if you've been carrying this for a year, I, I, I've been fine. But obviously this has been bothering you for all that time. And we you know, this should have been been dealt with. So, again, that may be a word for anybody here. If you got uh, unforgiveness, if there's this stuff that's undealt with, you know, if you got someone that's like, man, I just need to let that go. I need to forgive them and, and move on or whatever. It's healthy. Um, it's what God does for us. And it's what he desires that we would do for others. We're recipients of great forgiveness, atonement, forgiveness. We're recipients of the greatest. And so God says, man, as recipients of it, you want to be vessels through, through whom it can flow. And um, forgiveness is a powerful thing. Um, I, I always want to point this out. As you look at the book of Job and one of the, the maybe the worst trials that you could think about in the Bible. And we know that God was eventually intended to bring him out of the trial and everything else. But it's just interesting to me the moment when it all turned around. And if you pay attention to the book of Job, Job's trial hit and it went and it went and it went and the friends came and they did all their mess and his, his three friends were, you know, accusing him of sin and all this kind of stuff and they were, they were wrong in what they were doing. Job having this amazing encounter with the living God. God's just schooling him on who he is and what's really going on. As you come to the end of the book of Job, though, 
God rebuking Job's friends and sent them, you go have Job pray for you. Now, if I had three friends that the worst time of my life was judging me, to my, I know why you sick, it's because you got sin in your life. And we know Job didn't have sin in life because God said he was upright, blameless, fear God and shun evil. These guys come back saying, hey man, would you pray for me? Man, I, I, I might sick my dogs on you, you know, like, I mean, but Job prayed for him. And it says, when Job prayed for his friends, everything was restored. It was at that moment. There was something supernatural in that moment. Now, Job hadn't done anything wrong in the first place, but I just can't miss that point that when everything turned around, it was at that moment where Job said, hey, man, I forgive you guys and pray for you guys. And he prayed for them. And God said, boom, this is it's all going to turn up right here. And God blessed that man's life for the rest of his life. Gave him extended years, um, blessed him in ways that money could never buy, extended life, gang of grandkids, all the best. Job had it. But it was at that moment. So forgiveness is kind of this two-way street. Some of us are maybe in a place where we need forgiveness. I'm inviting you to seek God for it. It's available to you. Jesus paid a great price that we could go free. Our sins could be washed away. That we could not live under guilt, under shame, under condemnation. That is, we could be free of all of that. No guilt, no shame, no condemnation. That is the good news. That is what Jesus has done for you and for me. And if we need that, we want to reach out for it and ask for it. Um, but if, if we're recipients of that, and we got some people over here that have maybe done some things that we don't appreciate, um, then we also want to be those through whom forgiveness can flow. Uh, we received a great forgiveness. We want to also be willing to extend great forgiveness to other people. And so as we wrap up tonight, just want to point out a, a few things. One, through the whole study tonight, all of this in chapter four, the four different groups of people were all dealing with the same thing. It was the unintentional sin. Um, the sin that they had done, not intentionally, it wasn't something they set their heart to go out and do, but they had somehow or another ended up breaking a commandment, breaking a rule, breaking the law of the Lord, and it needed to be dealt with. Rather, it was a leader, the whole congregation, a ruler, or just a common person, it needed to be dealt with. And so uh, the first thing I would point out as in way of reminder that no matter where, which status you are in, um, our sin needs to be dealt with. Rather, you're a leader, rather you're a common person, rather it's something you've done as a group, God says, I want you to deal with your sin. Don't just leave it hanging out there. I want it dealt with. I made a provision for you. Second, as they would lay their hand on the animal and there would be that transfer. It's important that we know that that transfer for you and I happens through Jesus Christ. That he, he takes our guilt upon himself and he gives us his righteousness. And we need to be so thankful for that transition. So thankful for that exchange that he makes available to you and I. Third, as they had things that they had to take outside the camp. This couldn't be brought in. This had to be taken outside and completely burnt. It brought, it was separated. It wasn't going to be accepted in. We need to always be mindful that our sin will never be accepted in. And so we want to keep short accounts with the Lord. First um, John 1, 9, if you just on a regular basis, you want to confess, you want to stay clean with the Lord. You want there to always be sweet communion and sweet fellowship between you and the Lord. And so don't continue in sin. Don't go on and unconfessed, unrepentant sin. If there's sin, you want to deal with it quickly and biblically that you wouldn't be unnecessarily living under any kind of condemnation or any kind of guilt or anything like that. And then lastly, as we look at each offering, what was provided for the people, atonement for sins, but also there was forgiveness. They were being forgiven. God was setting them free from what they had done. And 
God has done that for you and I through Jesus Christ, that we can be set free, completely cleansed, completely forgiven of our sins. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Thanks for tuning in. Leviticus is often a book that gets overlooked and misjudged. Though it seems to be full of meaningless and insignificant rules, nothing can be further from the truth. All of Scripture is so important to understanding not only your faith, but also the heart of God. When God created the Ten Commandments, they weren't meant to control. They were meant to help guide. God desires for all His children to understand that life in Him can be full and rich. And that's all God wants for you too. But He won't force you to live in Him or live by His guidance. You get to choose it. What a gift! If you're looking to dive deeper into Leviticus or other scriptures, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word of God on a daily basis. Look on our website, CalvaryInglewood.org. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Leviticus. But before we go, we'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry financially. Any amount is appreciated. These teachings are broadcast on the radio and help spread the good news of the gospel. That's a powerful thing. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryInglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything. We hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. We look forward to you joining Pastor Bill again next time, right here on A Transforming Word.